When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on vocnation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, vocnation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at vocnation. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today is well known throughout the pro wrestling world. He has numerous tag team titles he's won. is best known for his time in the WCW, as well as in the fashion Next Generation with Brian Christopher and David Flair in the NWA slash TNA, and is also the son of legendary WWE Hall of Famer, Cowboy Bill Watts. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Eric Watts. Eric, thanks for coming on. Oh, my gosh, yeah, yeah. The Brian Christopher and all that was very important compared to the son of Cowboy Bill Watts. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you something. What is on your bed? Well, what logo? Oh. What is that? That oh. is the WWE blanket. Uh, my uh, grandkids got me that a few years back. That, no, that's and, awesome. That's what I was going to ask you before we went live. Okay. I had to ask, man. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, it's just uh, – actually, most of those guys aren't even there anymore. That was a few yeah. years ago, so. That happens, yeah. but you got, some, you got some great stuff. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I want to thank you again for coming on here. I know you're a busy man. Uh, you got a lot going on, and time is precious, so thanks again for coming on. So – Let's talk a little bit about, let's get into it a little bit, Eric. Let's talk about growing up, okay? I know childhood, wrestling family. Tell us a little bit about that, if you could, about growing up with under pro wrestling legend Cowboy Bill Watts and what it was like for you. Man, you know what? You know, what's difficult about interviews is people will ask me a great question like that, but it's it's trying to encompass everything you ask. And so that, mm-hmm. that that's like a book on itself. So... Right. I'm going to try to get better at this. Um, it was insane, right? So, yeah, he's your dad. Yeah, things are moving. Um, as his company got bigger and bigger and bigger, the house, the things got bigger. Um, security had to get bigger. You know, we, we, you know, we got to a position where we're getting bombs and death threats and snipers oh, wow. shot our house up. And my dad caught, oh. uh, you know, like a, a guy that was coming in to uh, kill the family. I think that was in his book where the where where our um our maid 
um, uh, you know, she had just walked in. My dad's like, hey, take the day off. And it was me and my dad. And we're sitting there. And my dad caught him, not me. I wouldn't have known. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, we were going to kill him. You know, there was no doubt. Yeah. We were, we were going to take him out. Um, he didn't get to his gun before my dad got to his gun. And, hey, people were coming, you know, at your family. And, and, and wow. we're going. I mean, we're talking about months and years of death threats and, um, 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 abductions that didn't happen, running off the road, going to schools to abduct kids out of the school and all that other stuff. So with all that being said, the crazy thing is my mother is one of the most incredible people anyone can ever meet. Um, mm-hmm. Her family was um, uh, successful in a, a country called Estonia, which is mm-hmm. right by Russia. Russia comes in and says, hey, listen, you know, you've been into a few wars you don't really have a whole bunch of military equipment. Let us put some equipment, and we'll scare off the other people. You're a very peaceful nation. They moved everything in and took over Estonia. And mm-hmm. so her family believed in freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and they said, okay, so they were very well known. So they actually took a whole bunch of jewelry and tried to escape. They got caught, but they only took the dad in. They didn't check the milk wagon for everyone else. And so they got away, bartered with a uh, boat that had been hit in the war. It started to sink outside Bremen, Germany. So then they got off there, which then they lived in deportation camps, which were uh, former concentration camps for seven years before a church out of Oklahoma sponsored them. So why I tell that story is you can imagine a family of faith and and independence coming over. Mm -hmm. So my mother – um, was very good at making every day seem normal. But then when I talk to people or do podcasts, people go, no, your childhood was not normal. I, w- I would not know. I mean, you know, I-, I remember times when my brother would be on the phone and, and, and he is just giving it to a person. I'm like, what's going on? They keep on saying they're going to kill us. I'm like, let's take care of this today. You know, what's wrong with you? You know, and he's 12, I'm 14. I'm like, yeah. Dude, you're just going to make him mad. He goes, what's worse, all the aimless, like, threats? You know, so we we had wow. the fact that my, my, my father was a celebrity, per se. Yeah. We never took it in that way. Like, people would talk to us or, you know, oh, my gosh, our parents love watching your dad wrestle. But it was, you know, the people around you, they're used mm-hmm. to it because they grew up with it, right? So it yeah. wasn't like a kid came up to me in high school and goes, oh, is your dad – Cowboy Bill Watts, you know, no yeah. one did that, but, um, but yes, I mean, you know, and, and, and my dad was, uh, man, he was very rough as a father. Like I tell people like, he's my favorite pro wrestler. He's my favorite promoter. He's my favorite writer. But as a father, sometimes it make you shake your head and it, not his fault, you know, right. also doing 20, 25 days a month on the road, the majority of the time I knew him. So when he came home, it was more like discipline and congratulations. And, you know, if I had a football game, I had to come home after the game. Uh, The coaches knew that they had to send the tapes with me. We had to break down film. So the next morning I'd bring the tapes back so the team could break down film. (laughs) You know, so um, uh, we, we we didn't we didn't have a standard at the house of oh you can make a B or a C or a D or an F in school. It was you make straight A's or you don't play sports. 
Mm-hmm. So now, now because my mother was so good at uh, um, enriching us mentally, mm-hmm. A's, A's were never a problem. So, yeah. and I don't mean that wrong. I mean, you know, it's sad because, you know, I've dealt with other generations where some of these poor kids think that they're stupid. And, no, they just never got taught how to study or, or, or you know, how to get ready for exams. So my yeah. childhood was fast, furious. And I, but I did not know how fast and furious it was until mm-hmm. after I retired from wrestling. I'm doing podcasts and telling stories, and people are like, "Okay, you've got to be making this shit up." I mean, like <laughs> literally, they, they, you know, you know, I'm like, "No," yeah. and, you know. I remember when it was really bad. We had 24 hour, you know, uh, police at our house. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had to gate our house. I mean. Uh, every one of us took, uh, combat, a hand to hand. We, we, we were shooting stuff, doing things. Uh, I could say that we probably had a little bit of firepower that was probably illegal. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you know, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say off the record, <laughs> my sister at, at 10 or 11, her spot was under the grand piano if the, the alarm went off. And we all had different districts we had to go to to defend wow. our house and our lives. And and, and she might have had a gun that shot very fi- uh, very fast, um, a twenty two caliber, and, and, and had, like, wow. maybe a casing on top that held 100 or 200 bullets. Um, uh, but I heard machine guns are illegal. So let's say it's a very fast semi-automatic. <laughs> And so, but what else do you give a 10, 12-year-old to help defend from people trying to come kill you? So, um, that was my upbringing, man. That is uh, quite an interesting childhood. And for you to say that was normal, I mean, so yeah, like you said, most people, it is not. Uh, you had a lot of challenges, it sounds like, as far as, uh, you know, death threats and things like that, which... You know, it's so sad that people took it to that level. I mean, I understand, I guess, you know, people at at the events, you know, harass, you know, not harassing, I guess, but firing you up a little bit, saying things they shouldn't say, inappropriate or whatever. That's part of the that's part of the, the business side, you know, when you're coming in and out of the ring. I I get it. It was never fans, okay? It, um, you know, where all this came from is my father – um, bought into, uh, the NWA in Oklahoma. And then, and then when he, you know, the NWA, a lot of people don't understand, um, that was a franchise. So you could have franchises. So back when I was young, there was 23 territories. Most of them were NWA. You know, like when they talk about all Ric Flair's belts, you know, the majority of Ric Flair's belts were NWA titles. Right. So it was like a McDonald's. Right. If you want this territory, blah, blah, blah. And then um, they kind of flipped out when my dad said, hey, here's the problem. I am going to disenfranchise from you all. Mm-hmm. Do not be mad. Thank me because you have no competition. Right. And competition breeds success. So I've got the photo, I think it was 1969, when when he brought in everyone from the NWA into Las Vegas to have this meeting. Um, I need to find it and post it. Um, yeah. And at first they were like crazy, like, no, no, don't. And then they loved it because they saw the, the money of it, right? If you're yeah. the only act in town or in the country, right, and you only have mm-hmm. – like the NFL has the NFL. If the XFL takes off, 
watch what happens. It's like, remember back in the days when WCW had Saturday Night Live, which was not Saturday Night Live, it was pre-taped, <laughs> and then WWE <laughs> said, hey, we're going to do Raw, and then WCW goes, we're going to do Nitro, and Thursday did whatever, and then we uh-huh. did Thunder, and, and then all of a sudden the ratings went through the flipping roof, and no one knew right. that it kicked all us wrestlers' asses because – because because a lot of people don't know, back in the day, you didn't get paid at WWE to wrestle on TV. Because uh, they said that's promoting your own image and likeness, and you'll make royalties off the shirts and the, the dolls. Now, only the dark matches afterwards, like Shawn Michaels and Undertaker and those people got paid from the gate. The reason why they had those matches was to keep the audience hyped up to see something that the the uh, TV audience didn't see. That's how we did all the sellouts, right? Yeah. So a lot of people don't know this. So now all of a sudden, as wrestling's going through the roof, you know, you can just mark it on your flipping calendar that you got two days a week that you're wrestling for free. You know, um, wow. a lot of people don't know that uh, WWE contracts for 99% of the guys. You're guaranteed. I think it was a two-year contract, and mm-hmm. you signed for two years. You're guaranteed three days a year at $150. Oh wow! So so, and I'm talking about your big dogs. Like I'm talking about yeah. your big dogs were on the same thing, and that was Vince's brilliant way. And I do say brilliant of keeping you in check. You want to get cocky? You want to be mad? You say you don't want to do something? Stay home, right? So so yeah. I see it from I see it from both sides, but. So so my father was doing that. Well, at the same time, my father's coming in, and he's taking over territories. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I'm not saying that every promoter graduated from college. My father right. didn't graduate from college. My father left early because he got, um, I think he got uh, drafted by the Houston Oilers, and, and that's why he took off early. My mom went into modeling because when you come over and you can speak 12 languages, um, and, but, oh, wow. but, but you come over from nothing, you're trying to yeah. support a family. So she had a shot at modeling. So she kind of left after high school to go model. And that's how my dad and mom re-met. My dad was, um, you know, selling out against Bruno San Martino for Vince Jr.'s dad, Vince Sr. at the WWWF. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. saw a billboard. And he was with one of the wrestlers and go, I used to date that chick. And the guy's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and so he found the, um, he found the modeling company through the ad uh, agency, got in touch with her. She was living in New York and they started dating again. So, wow. so that's how this, but so, so the death threats were coming from other promoters that own smaller territories in which, you know, I'm sure my father offered to buy or do whatever, and they're like, no. But mm-hmm. he's like, well, I, I still got to grow what I think I need to grow. And so yeah. they're like, okay, we'll kill you. And he's like, okay, well, but I'm still going to take over your state, right? Wow. So, yeah, you know, thank God that's not the way Subway and McDonald's and Papa John's is, right? You know, hey, I want to buy your Papa John's. Right. I'll kill you. Okay, I, but I want your Papa John's. <laughs> oh, like the mafia, I guess, you know. Back in the day, man, that's crazy. And, and again, I'm not knocking people, but I'm right. saying, you know, that, that that was the reason why it took me so long to get into pro wrestling because my mother had made an agreement with my father that none of the kids could get into pro wrestling before graduating college because she wanted okay. something to fall back on because here's all our fa- uh, here's all our family friends, Ganya, 
Graham, uh, Von Erichs, right? And then all of a sudden you see all this problem that's happening for kids getting in the ring. Dusty Rhodes. I think I was talking to Dustin. I think Dustin was refereeing matches at 14 years old. You know, you know that, wow. that that's that was the maturation process of starting mm-hmm. like 14. My mom's like, I don't want that. Because what if they get injured? What if we sell the company? What, so then what do we do? We don't, we don't, we don't want to grow kids, grow, grow them up to be, you know, prisoner to pro wrestling per se, even though that's what makes us our money and that's what puts food on the table. So she had that international, that business. She had that very open mind, thank God. Um, but you look back now, right? You know, what was there one Von Eric out of all of them that didn't die yeah. or commit suicide, right? You know, uh, yeah. uh, Graham, you know, Graham, Ganyas. I mean, you know, look, look at some of the things, um, or not, not Ganyas per se, but Grahams. You, you know, you, you can look down the line. And yeah. so you're dealing with some people that came, and a lot of these people became owners out of the Depression. And the Depression mm-hmm. was a very tough time. So you have some of these guys that were wrestlers or influential that never, per se, went to college, per se. And right. and the way they dealt with things were different than business people would deal with it, right? Business people would do whatever business people do, but they're damn sure not going to send, you know, people out to kill you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. They look hey, hey, 15 minutes in, man. We covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Let's talk a little bit, Eric, about your college years. You went to Louisville. Yeah. Quarterback. I yes, mean, sir. you were, you were on fire. Yes, sir. Talk about your college career. Uh, and I want to ask, were you ever considered or drafted in the NFL? I couldn't find anything on that. Uh, let's talk about your college days and then. If it was right, NFL. right. So, so, so everyone's got their own story, right? You know, every baseball player threw out their arm or whatever. No, I'll just give you the legit story. My father okay. is a very uh, confident man, and so he's a very opinionated person. And it seemed that my coach, which was one of the greatest coaches of all times, college coaches of all times, Howard Schnellenberger, my dad would get mad and they would get into arguments. And so then I would go from number two to number 10, number one to number four. And I'm thinking to myself, laughing, going, Dad, no one's going to tell you what to do, right? So I was kind of the whipping post on that. Now, I will say, when I first got there, Howard Schnellenberger sat down with me because my my goals were to win a Heisman Trophy and to win a national champion and be number one in the NFL draft. Uh You know, I'm playing college. You know, when when I first got there, I'm six. 218 pounds. I grew to about 250. So I was one of the largest quarterbacks in the nation. Um, had the size, had the arm strength, had the IQ. But when I first got there, Howard Schnellenberger's playbook literally was the size of almost like a yellow pages. Wow. And, and but, he, but, he, but, he, but he told us that. And so he yeah. said, hey, you know, I redshirt my quarterbacks. And, and think about this. His last three quarterbacks were – Tessa Verde, Kozar, and Jim Kelly. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and you know, and, and when he was doing pro, it was Johnny freaking Unitas. So, so the guy <laughs> is the quarterback whisperer, right? So if he's telling me, hey, I don't care how smart you are, sit back. So when I first got there, I watched one of the most incredibly football smart individuals play quarterback. The difference was is the year before he had a gruesome 
injury where he dropped back and a guy hit him when he was throwing the ball. Mm. And literally, I watched it like twice, and I, I, I think I threw up once. When he got his leg, he was throwing, so he fell on top of the defender. So they, yeah. he, broke, he broke the leg sideways at the knee. Uh. So now, thank God it went numb. The the emergency medical comes out and has to lift him up to let the defender out from underneath him. That's how bad the uh, break was. Like Joe Theismann, uh, right? Yeah. So he came back. So in spring ball, I show up, and my dad, you know, and, and, and coach have not had the time to really get mad at each other. And um, <laughs> I remember, because they do it by alphabet, uh, when I showed up, I was 13th string, lots being at the end of the alphabet. And within uh, about a week and a half, I was second string. And so okay. then, then, then comes the discussions with my father and, and the coach as, hey, I know I told you I was going to redshirt Eric, but let's just say I'm going to travel him no matter what. And, and, and I, and I will be very smart on how the season goes. But if we're early in the season and somehow Jay tweaks his knee, even though Eric may not know the total playbook, I may want to put Eric in and start his career. So we had this we we had the discussion. Um so so my my dad had taken advantage of some connections and and uh he traded my car in, got another car which he my dad was very wealthy, he could have done whatever he wanted. I didn't want a new car. My dad just thought it was cool. And coach Schellenberg goes, "I don't like that car and and you you have to take it back." <laughs> Cowboy Bill Watts goes, and you, your university in your ass. I, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm Cowboy <laughs> Bill Watts. So my dad gets the car, and, and then, like, the next day I was number 13 again. <laughs> I mean, I dropped from two to 13. So, but, but that whole year I traveled, right? And I got to be honest with you, man, it was awesome. You know, I, yeah. you know, I had the clipboard, but I watched this quarterback, and he's phenomenal. Now, I'm holding the name off just so you know. Because the the pros were worried about his knee because he was one of the greatest minds I ever saw. Like, he, he reminded me of, like, a Joe Montana, Steve Young. Not the strongest arm, but could pick you apart, okay? Yeah. This guy goes on to set every record in the arena uh, ball league, oh, then wow. becomes the head coach in the arena ball, then becomes the head coach for the Washington Redskins, Jay Gruden. So, ah. so, so that's who that's who I was behind. Now it was known that when he leaves, I'm starting. My dad and them get into more of an argument, and my best friend at the time and my roommate was a guy named Browning Nagel that had transferred in from West Virginia. So they make him the starter and not me. He was upset, but he's an athlete, and what a cannon the guy's got. Love Browning. And so then I had to sit behind him, which, oh, by the way, he was first quarterback picked in the second round for the New York Jets. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just trying to tell you about the level of quarterbacks we had. Yeah. So then I play the next year. So I don't get – but I only get one year at Louisville. But the scouts mm-hmm. and the pros are looking at me because they're saying 6'6", 250, you know, um, and so, yeah, the, the idea was I had an agent and I was going to go to either Tampa Bay or Cincinnati. 
Um, and I was really excited because it looked like I was going to go to Tampa Bay to back up Steve DeBerg. Okay. And then I, I, you know, you know, I called my dad and I said, Hey dad, you know, I graduated college. I'm, I'm sitting around, I'm doing master's school. I'm nine hours away from my master's degree. Um, I'm also doing a, a Juris doctorate degree at the same time. Um, you know, do you mind if I get in the ring? He goes, no, I've got a good friend of mine, Jody Hamilton, the mask assassin that has a school in Atlanta and that's as close as it gets for Louisville. So why don't you go down there and hang out? I went down there and trained a little bit, and before you know it, Ted Turner's basically saying, and a contract comes my way, hey, here's what we'll offer you. We already know what you're going to get going pro football, and this is two or three times, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they're talking to me about all that, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And, and listen, I was going to go pro, and, and what the shit? You know, you go the fifth, sixth round, what are you going to get? $15,000 signing bonus, you know, 16000 yeah. you know. So, so you know, I was intrigued, and I was bur- – why I decided not to go pro. And, and, and some people go, do you regret it? I don't know if I regret it. My mom taught me never to look back and go, I wish I would have. But the older I get now, I go, it's more like a, hmm, I wonder if I should – I was so burnt out with the politics in football with my dad yeah. Schnellenberger. Schnellenberger at the at, at my my senior uh, banquet, he on TV said, "I've never done this to any athlete. This guy's the most abused football player of all times. I took oh. everything out on him." He said that, and wow. and you know and uh, you know which did me no good. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then it didn't ha- help my draft choices because um, Sports Illustrated uh, printed a small article saying that Eric Watts is not going to go to the NFL. He's going to go pro wrestling. Oh, no. Right? So, again, at, at the time, I'm like, man, this sucks. This politics, it, it, it sucks. And then I went, and so I signed the deal with WCW to find out the politics in wrestling sucks, you know, but, but I laugh because let me tell you what, you know, if you work somewhere, um, you're either on the right side or the wrong side of the politics or favoritism. I, you okay. know, I can't tell you, you know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, as a kid, I would hear people mad going, Oh, this, the only reason this guy is getting promoted is because he's a good golfer and the CEO likes to golf. Right. But it does, but at the same time, you can either take your time to be mad about it or accept it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like I used to tell people that had asked me, like, how do you feel about people that get promoted to play golf? I go, well, why don't you play golf then? Well, I hate golf. And then I, I would think to myself, okay, but what you're saying is that CEO promotes people that like to play golf. So who's the smarter person? And <laughs> the guy that plays golf, right? So I said, so yeah. learn to play golf, right? So I've kind of learned to play golf in my life. You know, yeah. I've learned to play golf. I'm, I'm not going to let people tell me, oh, this is bad, this is sad. I, I have had such an unbelievable life. And yes, yeah. my fa- yes, my father is Cowboy Bill Watts, but I will tell you this much. I'm not successful because my father was Cowboy Bill Watts. He didn't run my companies. He didn't sell my companies, and he's not running my companies today. Um, uh, was he a great businessman? Did I learn a lot from him? Is he my father? Damn right he is. But, mm-hmm. but you know, that's what I used to tell 
people that I was around, I watched so many people suffer that were second generation, and they would cry to me. And they'd go, oh, Eric, how am I ever going to fill my dad's shoes? And I'm like, why in the hell would you ever fill his shoes? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I didn't, I never wanted to be Cowboy Bill Watts. I, yeah. I loved Cowboy Bill Watts. I thought he was a great wrestler. I didn't yeah. want to be him. I wanted to be Eric Watts, right? Yeah. Now, now in viewership, in viewership, because I was a new generation, more people probably saw my matches than Cowboy Bill Watts. But in no way was I ever as good as Cowboy Bill Watts. And guess what? I'm okay with it because he's still one of my favorite wrestlers. Yeah. Right? And my, and my career got cut short due to some injuries, right. in which I still suffer from to this day. And 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 that's the only reason I had to cut it short, or I think I could have been as big a name as Cowboy Bill Watts or anyone else. And I've got good friends, some of my best friends. I, I ran into Rick Steiner yesterday at the bank, <laughs> Talk, talking about you know Bronson wow. because now the WWE is after my daughter, right? My daughter is a six-one guard at the Naval Academy, and oh, they wow. want. Okay. Oh yeah, they want they want her to sign. Well, the difference is, is when you're at the Naval Academy, you're an employee of the government, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't, yeah. you can't you can't even get nil money for the advertisements. So we're trying to negotiate, saying, hey, we'll do the ads and stuff for free, you know. So so you know, just to see. Yeah. But she's in cyber information, right? You know, I mean, she's. Yeah. She's awesome, and she's an incredible basketball player. So you know, WWE. Uh, WNBA or cybersecurity or information, um, mm-hmm. and, and 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 let's watch ten years from now. People are asking her the same question. She better not want to be Bill Watts or Eric Watts. She's Sydney right. Watts, right? And 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 she's beautiful and she's awesome. So um, yeah. that's kind of probably why you don't see as much. Is I yeah. I, I pretty much cut that off. And said, I'm going to pro wrestle, and then I went and pro wrestle. Wow. Very interesting. I mean, I, I'm learning a lot today, and I know the fans, uh, that are watching this or listening to this are like, kind of like, uh, my jaw is dropping because of this. It's great. I mean, I appreciate you telling us. This. I want to talk, Eric, while you were getting trained up, who, who trained you, uh, in Atlanta? Yeah. And what what was that like? I mean, I mean, yeah, and you know, we talked. You talked a little bit about second generation, how some of the people were frustrated. Were you more? And I hate to ask you this, but I I feel like I need to. Did you feel more pressure because you were Eric, or Bill Watts' kid, and felt like these guys that were training you and expecting more out of you, or were you just like, you know what, I'm Eric Watts. This is who I am. If you want Cowboy Bill Watts, call call Cowboy Bill Watts because I'm not him. That's a, that's a, that's. You know what? I've done a hundred podcasts or more. You know, like I I don't do many podcasts. Yeah. Um, later on, you can tell your viewers. You know, I go on Facebook occasionally, <clears throat> and or Messenger and and excuse me. The whole time we're talking, I have had like I don't get sick, but I have been deathly ill for like four or five days. Yeah. And so I've got so much cough medicine in me, and I, 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 in my my head, I can hear me, 
and I don't know whether I'm yelling or not, so let me apologize. So, so let me say this in a way that I don't want to show to be cocky. Let's go mm-hmm. back to the way my mom raised me. Life is an oyster, right? Is what you make of it. And everything is within your responsibility, your grasp, and your dreams and your goals, period. So a lot of people don't know this, and it blows my mind, uh, meaning the podcast. But let me say this. I went to work out and see what it was like to get in the ring. Mm-hmm. My daughter called me the other day and said, hey, Daddy, if the Navy approves it, I may go for like a week or two weeks to jump in a ring at one of WWE's rings to see how it is. I said, great, tell me where it is. I'd love to come up there and watch. Mm-hmm. And, and then took me back. Hear me out. All I wanted to do was get in the ring because as a child, we set the rings up. We sold T-shirts. We did the music. We did security. We did the ticket counting. We drove Russell's to the airport in between towns. We did it all, but we were not allowed to be in the ring in Russell. Mm-hmm. I did not know Carney. I did not know how a match was called. Mm-hmm. I knew the moves. So I knew none of the psychology. I, you know, from watching, you could tell the psychology, right? And, I, you know, my right. dad has certain movies, Shane, and a few other movies where he'll tell you, you want to learn true psychology, this is the greatest movie to watch because the villain, the, you know, and, and, and it's so awesome to watch a, a, a person with his aptitude and understanding of pro wrestling to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, a movie or whatever. So let this be said. He sent me to Jody Hamilton, a very dear friend of him, the Mask Assassin. Yep. There he had a little pissed-off guy named Sarge. And I called him the Chuckinator because he was, like, <laughs> small like Chucky and acted like the Terminator. So I called him the Chuckinator. He was the biggest pain in the ass I've ever met. <laughs> hated life, hated everybody else because he was, a, you know, he was, he was short and, and everyone else was getting the push he should, he should deserve. Now, I say that in jest because uh, me and Sarge are very good friends. And what a beautiful person and, 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 and the perfect person to train so many people. He had uh, he beat people up. He hurt people. He did all the things that old school wrestling taught us to do so that when, when you got cut or you didn't make the tryout, you would go brag to people going, oh, that might be entertainment, brother, but you guys don't know how physical it is. They they would especially love bodybuilders and, and gym rats, which you had playing in Atlanta, and they would have them crying, throwing up, begging stop. Uh, some people were trying to do lawsuits. That's how bad they beat people up. Wow. So I went, and when I went, it was a different. I have amateur wrestled my whole life. I, I played basketball, football, you know, at other than the NFL, the highest levels, right? So you're not going to take me into some dojo or gym and beat me down, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. And I and I had some fun with it. So I won't go into that story because um, they thought they were going to beat me down, and then all of a sudden they started crying. But but <laughs> let's go into the fact that I was just there for the hell of it to, to train. But I trained every day. And, when, and I said, mm-hmm. what time do you guys show up? If they said 7, then I stayed 7 to 7. And then afterwards, 
I would go back and rinse the blood off because you'd be bleeding from your sides and stuff because the WCW rings are like telephone wires. They hurt like hell. Mm-hmm. So uh, to this day, I'm calloused on my right side because of oh, my, my, my thigh. Because when you start hitting those ropes at first, they cut you. And then yeah. if you're if you're working out 12 hours a day, those cuts don't have time to heal. So you bleed, 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 right? But then they don't hurt anymore. They're calluses and stuff. So so with that being said, I was going back to finish the last three classes of my master's program. I only trained 23 days. Wow. Dusty, Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes asked me, hey, you're going up to Tennessee to Louisville. Would you like to wrestle? And I said, Dusty, I don't even know how to throw a punch. I only know, like, certain things, like yeah. tie-ups and arm drags and hip tosses. He goes, what the hell else does a baby face need to know? I go, I don't know because I only have 23 days, Dusty. And Dusty's <laughs> like, well, well, we'll put you in a match with Sarge. It will be five, six minutes. I said, I would love it. Now, I don't know what I'm wearing. I don't know what I'm doing. And that's another podcast. So yeah. Cleveland, Tennessee, I think, was the first night. So then Grizzly Smith comes up to me and says, hey, call Dusty. So I get on a payphone, call Dusty. Dusty said, how was it? I go, I don't remember anything. I said, a matter of <laughs> fact, after the match, I was so excited. I went down the heels section, and they go, great match. You're going the wrong way. Okay? <laughs> not not to fill it. Rick Steiner was there, and he hazed the shit out of me and told me I don't deserve to be in the in the in the locker room, and he made me dress in the concession stand. Wow! Oh, well, that's right. <laughs> you got some sixty, seventy year old lady selling popcorn. My ass is trying to hold a towel towel around myself, getting dressed in the popcorn stand. Oh yeah, yeah. Hazing, hazing is real. Thank you, Rick Steiner. So, which you'd think that he would take care of me since he knew me since I was 12 or 14, but he just put on the heat. So, so afterwards, Dusty said, how was it? I said, I barely remember it, but thank you so much. I said, you know, I really hope that you guys saved me a spot. I'm going to probably go to work for, for Georgia Pacific in Atlanta, um, and, but I'd like to train with Jody and see if I could, could not make it as a pro wrestler. Because forget about that. The next town is... And don't hold me to this, Chattanooga, I think, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. and he goes, that's on your way to Louisville. I said, yeah, it is. He goes, run it back with Sarge. And I said, hell yeah. So, you know, so the first one I think was Friday. The second one was uh, Saturday. Um, or, yeah, yeah, Saturday, yeah. And then um, after that match, he, uh, Grizz says, hey, call Dust. Dust goes, Hey, baby, how was it? I go, I remember everything. I remember the smell of the ring. I remember people's faces. He goes, how did it feel? I go, Dusty, man, I played football in Japan. I, I My first college start was a sold-out Ohio State on ESPN. I said, dude, I got to be honest with you. I've never felt shit like this in my life. Yeah. And he goes, okay, baby, hey, run it back one more time. I go, what do you mean? He goes, the next one's in whatever, Nashville or, you know, whatever. I'm going, well, mm-hmm. that's on my way. So now, you know, bigger arena, bigger thing. But I got Sarge, right? Now, Sarge, you know, people think, oh, you're going to have the same match. Oh, there's no match. You know, Sarge is calling it. So, the, you know, the endorphins, your mind's still going. Are you going to remember the spots? Do you hear them well? Do you, you know, so you've got all the fears that you had, right? Yeah. yeah. So we have a match. Rizzy comes and says, call Dusty. <laughs> so I called Dusty, and Dusty goes, 
what was it like? I said, remember what I told you, Dusty, about I remember everything? And it was one of the most incredible experiences ever. He goes, yeah, I go, I just had a new most incredible experience. Wow. He goes, he goes, you're effed. I go, excuse me, sir? He goes, yep, you're effed. I go, why, sir? He goes, there is no employment. There is no drug. There is no rocket to go out of space. There is no diving to the deepest caverns. There is nothing in this world that will ever fulfill you because you have the entertainment bug and you've got the it factor. And you get off on entertaining people. And that's all it is. And he goes, you will never, ever, ever be able to feel that feeling unless you pro wrestle. So this is your choice. And I said, sir, I said, uh, you're right. I said, I'm, I'm going to go back to Louisville. I'm going to talk to my fiance. I'm going to finish my three courses. And I'm going to go back and work for Georgia Pacific. And then I'm going to train. And he goes, no, you're not. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? He goes, tomorrow night. I need you at center stage, downtown Atlanta. We got a contract for you, and you're going to have your fourth match ever with Sarge on Saturday Night Live. You know, uh, night, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, WCW Saturday Night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, brother, that's how it happened, and now you and me are talking. I did, wow. you know, everything else was a blur, you know? Everything else yeah. was a blur. That is, <laughs> that just shows <clears throat> what kind of talent you have or had. Your in-ring ability, your obviously people were talking to Dusty about you like Sarge, Jody Hamilton, about your abilities, your natural abilities. And that says a lot, you know, because like you said earlier, a lot of second generation wrestlers trying to get in the business, they're expected to be as good or better than their, their dad. And... You know, it, it, it just shows right there. And your ability. I mean, look at your daughter. You just said she was in the Naval Academy. She's a, a yeah. basketball star. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's a natural flow, and, and that's just that's just wonderful. All right, Eric, let's talk a little bit about your post-career. You know, you got injured 05, 06, around that time frame, 07. I don't know the extent of your injuries, uh, right. but – if you want to talk about it, great. But let's talk about the post-recovery, okay? Uh, a lot of wrestlers don't have a plan after wrestling, unfortunately. Uh, but some do. They have a backup plan. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. When you got injured, did you ever think about, okay, I'm going to come back in six months, uh, do a couple more years, call a day, or did you just say, hey, you know what, forget it. This is too much for me. I'm going to move on to my next adventure. Great question, which brings us to TNA. <laughs> so, so uh, let, let's recap really quick, right? Phenomenal mother, uh, phenomenal uh, uh, father, different roles, right? Nurturing, mm-hmm. caring, blah, 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 brutal as hell, business owner, right? And so, yeah. you know, like like heaven and hell, Okay. And so that's what I was raised around, right? But dad's on the road a lot, so there's more heaven than hell. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything bad. I'm just saying, go, you know, go, go back to some of the, 
the kids and ask about Dusty Rhodes or, or, or Vern Gagne or Ole Anderson or, or Von Eric and see how they were as parents, right? Mm-hmm. They treat their kids like talent, okay? So it's not a negative thing. Please, people, do not think I'm talking bad about my father. I'm not. So, <laughs> so you've got these. And so my mother had said, no, the kids will not enter pro wrestling if they're going to get in the ring before having a college degree. So mm-hmm. we were all always educated-minded philanthropists, um, entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So even when I was wrestling with WCW, I built a large paint company that did uh, uh, residential and commercial painting. I built a turnkey company. So we'd go in to apartment complexes mainly. If you you know, you need sheetrock, popcorn ceilings, you know, some electric run. So so I'm running two (laughs) very successful companies. At the same time, when I have time, I'm giving back to Make-A-Wish Foundation or I'm doing motivational speaking, and I'm wrestling about 300 days a year. Wow. So guys, so guys would make fun of me because back in the day with paint, you dealt, you dealt with some builders, and the builders wouldn't talk to you unless you had those Nextel phones that did walkie-talkie shit. So I had a Nextel <laughs> for my paint. I had a Nextel for my turnkey. Then I had my cell phone. So I was like the non-drug dealing drug dealer when it came. Right? And people were like, they're like, it sounds like we're at a police station. People are like, hey, Eric, are you there? Hey, you know, and they're, you know, what else do you do? You know, I'm on the road. It's in my bag. I'm wrestling and stuff, you know, doing my thing. So, so always moving, always building, always growing. So when I started, I mean, I've had several devastating injuries. The one that took the most was when I rushed myself because on a pay-per-view. And they kind of botched the surgery. So to this day, I still choke a lot. To this day, I still call blood a lot. Um, the Mayo Clinic and some other people had said, hey, you know, that happened when I was around 28. They said, hey, we can't figure out where it is. Um, they tried. They, they, they fixed the tear but they yeah. couldn't find out where the blood's coming from. They think it might be a, a weak capillary or something, either in my lungs or stomach. Well, but people don't understand in modern-day science, it's very hard to get a good light into your mm-hmm. stomach and lungs without splitting you open because it's so dark in your body. Yeah. So if they, it, it, let's say it was a capillary or an artery or whatever the hell it is, they could go and burn it and close it if they knew where it's at. So, but the idea of it being open all the time, that's how cancer and things can happen, right? So the problem with me was is when they did my esophagus and bungled it up, um, sometimes in wrestling, and, and what's crazy is someone could powerbomb me and nothing. And then someone could arm drag me and blood come up. Well, yeah. well, now, now a lot of times, so, so let's say you give me a, a hip toss and I hit. Now I've got blood in my throat. I can't breathe, but I'm trying to sell the moves and stay mm-hmm. on my back. It became right. an issue to where sometimes I'd have to roll out, just grab random drinks out of fans' hands and drink it or clear yeah. it or the refs knew to come clear it. 
so it became it, it wasn't the bleeding it wasn't this it was it was the fact that it made it kind of tough to perform the matches and and be there 100% when you're also trying to manage ha- uh manage like some internal bleeding and and, and breathing mm-hmm. you know yeah <laughs> those yeah. things yeah. those things kind of so so I and my wife had sat down and I said, hey, listen, you know, A, I don't need wrestling. I love wrestling. All I've ever wanted to do since I stepped foot in the ring is to stay in the ring. I, I, I you know, I went to college to be a Heisman Trophy winner and a national champion, right? Mm-hmm. I came in the ring to be as big or bigger than the biggest of that time, mm-hmm. right? Um why else would you go into anything? <laughs> you yeah, know, you, yeah, you want to yeah. be the best. And not from an ego, from, from a competition, from a personal pride, from a, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so here I am, and I just made the decision. I said, listen, you know, listen, baby. I, you know, because her thing was, are you sure you can walk away? Mm-hmm. Your second generation. But I said, yes, I can. It was like that. It seemed like it was that week. Out of nowhere, I get a call from Vince Russo. Now, I only talked to Vince Russo once in my life. My first week or two weeks of WWE, he came and interviewed me because he used to be the editor for WWE's magazine. Mm-hmm. That's all I know of him. So then he tells me a story about how my father is the one that got him in to be a writer. And oh, another pay, uh, another podcast in the future. Awesome story. Awesome story. So he's with Jeff now at TNA, and he calls me up, and he goes, hey, I want you to listen to me. You know, he goes, I I believe, you know, your dad saw something in me. Um, I don't need to see something in you. I'm asking you a favor. Jeff put me on a course to find someone that hasn't been on TV for the last three, four, five months Mm -hmm. and uh, or whatever, what have you, and it's big because at that time they're still trying to get Hogan to come in. And so, you know, um, I don't know mm-hmm. if Sting was in yet, but Lex had been there, Buff had been there, uh, I think Sting had been there, you know, there, there, there were some people that, you know, were there, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, he wants someone out of nowhere. And I'm like, nah, I just told my wife I'm good. I said, but I, I said, I've never even watched TNA. Yeah. And he goes, and he goes, well, bro, you gotta come. I go, where's it at? In Nashville. What day is it? Only Wednesdays. My, so, he talks me into going that next week, and I went up there, and I said, hey, I, I, I don't want to talk to all the guys. I don't, I don't want any, you know, I don't want any news spinning or nothing like that. Is there a place? He goes, yeah, there's a place upside that I can sneak you up. It's called The Nest, and you can watch from there. And, 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 and you know, like Raven and Jarrett and a few guys will pop up there to watch matches, but they'll, they'll all mm-hmm. know you're going to be there. I said, cool. And uh, I started watching. I'm like, who are these guys? Like, yeah. I would say 95% of the guys I've never even seen in my life. Mm-hmm. In my life. Now, there, yeah. were some be- there were some beasts there, you know, that I'd seen many times that were incredible. There's, you know, smaller guys. Mm-hmm. Jerry Lynn is one of the greatest wrestlers of all times. Yeah. Kid Cash is top 100. I mean, Kid Cash is really, really good, right? And so you're yeah. seeing Kid Cash and you're seeing Jerry Lynn and, 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 and you know, then Jarrett and Raven and those guys had, but, but you know, who is this AJ Styles dude? 
You know, like who is and and I could I could keep on going and going. I'm like, who in the hell are these guys, right? But but it took me back to my ECW little run. But these mm-hmm. guys, you could tell, were showing up what we used to call for a six pack, right? You know, the old adage was, "Who's that guy?" I don't know. They pay him a six pack. <laughs> like <laughs> like literally, I was told some of the job guys at at, at really small indies yeah. would get paid in beer, right? And so that's kind of the thing. Like, I had to show them yeah. six pack. Bro, for the next two hours, I was in my own zone, in my own world, and my chin was on the floor going, these guys love wrestling so much. Yeah. They're putting it on. When I saw AJ, some of the bumps and moves and things he did, I go, oh, yeah, he will not walk past 50. You know, <laughs> just yeah. like the first just like the first time I saw the Hardy Boys, uh, which, by the way, that's another podcast. I did <laughs> one show, an off show, an indie show in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was living in Atlanta. We did about almost $40,000 of gate <laughs> money in like yeah. 80, like in uh, 95 or 97. And I literally had guys from WCW. And WWF, and people were like, how did you get those guys from both companies? I said, because I called and asked. They're like, there's no way that Vince would let some of these guys be on the same. I said, bullshit. I talked to Vince. And, and, <laughs> yeah. so, and, so, and so we made sure that those guys didn't wrestle, per se. And there wasn't right. a lot of them, but, but I wanted to bring in Bam Bam Terry Gordy. I wanted to bring in Steve Dr. Death Williams. I wanted to bring in, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, but I brought in One Man Gang and Harley Race. And, you know, I, I brought in, you know, some people. So Vince had told me, hey, all, all I asked was, can I send you the, the, these young kids? Um, and, um, and, uh, you know, just so they can get some more mat work, but they're really incredible kids. I said, sure, send them. And um, uh, Albert, Prince Albert, I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. him, big WWE yeah, guy. Yeah. So he came up and said, watch, these are the kids that Vince wanted you to put on the show. He doesn't care what you do, how long they go. And he goes, but they want to talk to you. Well, I was at WCW, so it must have been, it was my second run at WCW, so it might have been like 95, 97, I can't remember. And I was wearing jeans and tight shirts. And Eric Bischoff hated it. He hated it. <laughs> He's like, well, what happened to his tights? But, and then, and, and Dallas was like, that, he just came up with this look. He goes, it looks like a skateboarder or something shit. And he's like, yeah. And he loves it. And he goes, I hate it. Right. I'm like, well, here we <laughs> And so, uh, the kids came up and they said, sir, we've seen you wrestle on WCW and, you know, we're not the most ripped or whatever. You're, you're, you're a giant. We can't believe that you're putting a shirt over you know, your size, but we love the look. And I'm like, what are you asking mm-hmm. me? And they go, well, we know in the business you don't steal looks and you don't steal finishes. I said, so what are you asking me? Because I, I was wondering, they go, <laughs> if Vince allowed it, can we mimic your outfit? And in my heart, I just, like, I loved it because I, I was at WCW. I said, oh, absolutely, right? So then these kids start doing it. They start taking it off. And DDP said to Bischoff, hey, so how do you hate Watson's outfit? He goes, I hate it. He goes, the Hardy boy, Boys uh, borrowed it from him. And he's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's another side story. But 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 anyway, getting back to what you're asking. So TNA, they asked. I came. I saw. I'd given up wrestling. And then Vince uh, uh, Russo goes, here's how much money they want to offer you. Because they know you're going to ask for a lot. Because you got all, you know, you, you know, you don't have to wrestle none of that. So, okay. And 
I can't remember, it's a two, two or three year contract, 52 days a year, every Wednesday. They don't do independence, they don't do house shows, they do nothing. And it's in Nashville, three hours from my house. I'm like, wow. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, now I don't have to worry so much about my injuries because mm-hmm. I'm just popping in, popping out, popping in, popping out, right? Yeah. So, so, and it was, it, it was, it was probably the funnest period of time. Like Japan's great, Germany's great, ECW's great, WCW, WWE—they're all great. But right. me and Vince clicked off, and and uh, I remember he goes, bro, he goes, I've never heard you on the mic. He goes, we need some good people on the mic. And I go, okay. He goes, how good are you? I go. Give or take, I would say the person that's probably closest to me, you know, but not as good as me is probably like either The Rock or Stone Cold. <laughs> and, he, and he goes, he goes, bro, you kidding? I go, no, I'm not kidding. He goes, so I'm like, do you have any footage? I go, hell no, no one's really let me on the mic. He goes, what? So how do you know? I said, I know I am. And and he started laughing so hard. So that's that's how we became came up with the director of authority. And dude, it. That's a whole podcast on its own. If you truly yeah. knew, if you truly knew what happened, no one ever wrote a script for me because I told him I don't think I can memorize it. I have to go mm-hmm. off the cuff. So yeah. Vince would catch me and go, "Hey, go give a minute and a half, but just cover these two issues and then say whatever the hell you want." And Vince Russo himself said he would sit back and watch Jeff's head roll off, people yelling and screaming, throwing chairs because I was upsetting them so much. And, 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 and he's like, how in the hell did you come up with that? I go, I have no idea. You know? And so <laughs> yeah. even so even when me and Vince had to have a face off one time, which I didn't know, because they, a lot of times they wrote things last second, Vince goes, yeah. you know, cause I, I came up with all kinds of stuff. Like I'm six, six and dreamy. I'm six, six and a good kisser. I'm six, six and sexy. I'm, you know, what's <laughs> up? What's world? What's your problem? What's you looking at? I came up with all these stupid things. Right. And so he would always call me, Hey, 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 I need to talk to you. Six, six and dreamy. This is can drink. I need to talk to you. The guys were like, what? You know, like, I got, I, like, the guys look like Vince Russo is an Eric Watts mark, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's the way the guys look. And so he said, hey, Dreamy, I need to talk to you. I got this thing, bro. I got this thing, bro. And we're going to have to square off. But then Jeff's going to come in and all this. He goes, bro, I'm awesome on the mic. And he goes, but, bro, don't look me straight in the eyes. Because I've got to, like, bro, I've got to tear you down. And so so don't be mad at anything I say. But be careful what you say back because, bro, you push it, I'll start laughing. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I got you, baby. I got you. You know, yeah. so it was so funny because when it happened, you yeah. know, I, I contemplated because he, he ran off for, you know, like a minute, minute and a half on his interview, right? And I'm thinking to myself, do I want to make this guy – Losing shit, you know. Um, so, it, but it was a, it was a, uh, it was somewhat of a frustrating time. Yeah. Because Jeff had decided by by about four weeks in, Jeff had decided. Um, I went from throwing him through tables, beating him through the audience, all the way till I drug him out one time and shoot, put a chain around his neck and drug him on a gravel drive about six feet so they got camera mm-hmm. got it but still drug his ass on gravel in a car and he decides that he doesn't want to do an angle with me and wow. and and then so he went from there to saying you know what just put him on the openings of the shows that you know but don't show him on the pay-per-view and so when when that decision came to me Russo goes i'm gonna tell you this 
he doesn't like it. I said, so what was his reason? He goes, he didn't know you're so tall. I said, I've known Jeff for 15 years. I've been six six since 14. That is yeah. the word, you know. So 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 you know, I, I don't have time to listen to politics. I don't need to be here. So I said, yeah. I'm good, deuces. He goes, oh no, bro, oh no. Now this is Jeff's best best friend at this time, right? Yeah. yeah. And so he said, no. He goes, well, you know, come on, let's do that thing where you're on the mic. We'll change you to a heel, blah blah blah. And I, I'm telling you, it might have been a month. It seemed like it was like, or it might have been two months, but it seemed like it was maybe three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. And when I say when I went out to the ring, you could not hear yourself in that arena. Yeah. What's up? What's world? The signs, everything. <laughs> and the coolest thing that I ever heard was after the show, I didn't know why Vince was so happy. So, cause, cause me and Vince and Raven and some of the Atlanta guys, Sonny Siaki, uh, uh, Mark, uh, Mike Sanders, uh, uh, Disco Inferno, and whoever was coming from Atlanta, a lot of times we'd jump into my expedition or whatever. We'd drive up, you know, just to talk on the way up and way back. And Vince was big, he's like, big smile. And I'm like, what's up, bro? He goes, you're not going to believe this shit. I go, okay, tell me. He goes, so I'm sitting back with Jeff because we haven't gone over everything. And Jeff freaks out and goes, oh my God, the show's getting ready to start. I don't even know what interviews I have. And, uh, Vince, tell me what the storylines are and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, bro, we've got 30 minutes before the show starts. He goes, no, 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 no. The, the, the crowd's reaction every night, the biggest one, is on the intro to the pay-per-view when the girls come out in the cage and they spin the, you know, the wrestling thing. He goes, that's the biggest reaction of the night no matter what, who wrestles or what. And they go, he goes, no, that's not. He goes, look at your watch. 30 minutes away from pay-per-view. He goes, so what are they going crazy for? He goes, that's Eric Watts. He goes, bullshit. So he came out and saw it. So after he saw that, he goes, how long has it been like that? He goes, Jeff, uh, pretty much about ever since we demoted him down to the start of the show. He goes, he's the most popular guy we got. What are we going to do? He goes, I would put him back on the show. So so when they put me back on the show, they brought me as a DOA. And then shortly after that, Jeff wanted to tag up some. And it was kind of funny because Jeff would come up to me and go, oh, Eric, we got these guys tonight, and Vince said you're going to do, like, an interview for, like, a minute, minute and a half. Tell me what you're going to say. He was like, really rip that guy's ass. That's going to be funny, you know. And I'm like, I'm like Jeff, I don't know what I'm going to say until I get out there. He goes, and he gets, like, I think he thought I was lying to him and got mad at me. He's like, so you're going to kayfabe me? You're not, you know, like, I, I co-own this company. I go, I'm telling you the truth, bro. You know, you know, so that was on TNA. And, and so um, after TNA, um, and, it, and it crushed my heart. I mean, it, hurt, it crushed my heart. TNA is starting to start run house shows. And even though I'm very against the whole Orlando Disney TV tapings, th- those are horrible. You always lose the audience. It, it, it's just it's just a it's a piped in audience. It's just not good. Um, yeah. But I was so excited for him. I thought it was the dumbest idea to do an octagon because they like the UFC. That was the dumbest idea I've ever seen because your whole life, if you're in Mexico, you're going to your left. If you're going any other country, you're going to your right. I don't know if your viewers know that. That's what will throw you off sometimes when you go to Mexico or Puerto Rico or whatever. They do everything to the left. We do it to the right. But, I mean, all all of your moves are like tackle, right, tackle, you know, or straight. Now, you know, you go get a guy tackling, you're like, shit, do I hit this 45? Do I hit that flat? Do I hit this 45? Do I go straight across? And and so when we were first doing it, and remember, you know, you're only wrestling there so often, it really threw things mm-hmm. off. 
Um, yeah. and, but Dallas Page had come in, and he goes, I want to do a program with Eric Watts. So they put me with Raven, and then I beat Raven to go into an angle with Dallas Page, and at that time is right when my divorce, five-year divorce, is starting to be finalized, and my lawyer said, we got to cut back. You know, you got to cut out the pro wrestling because she's, you know, she's coming after, you know, alimony and child support and, and, and buddy, if, if you're making what you're making and da, 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 da. And so I sold, I mean, my paint company went, my turnkey company went and I called Dixie up and Dixie's like, Hey, you know, let us just pay you out the rest of your contract and go, Nope. <laughs> Donate it. Give it away. I don't give a shit what you do. I don't. I, I don't even want the rest. I, I just. I want you not mad at me. I. I, I can't wrestle anymore. And yeah. she's like, that. That kills us. I go. And I told her why. She goes, but I understand what you're doing it for. And um. So I did it. And then. And then after my divorce, in, in Georgia, it's very tough. I waited the uh, five years the judge asked me to, and then I can't. I went back and got custody of my children. Um. Okay. But it was a. It was more of a financial move at that time, even though. You know, it didn't hurt because, you know, with, with some of my past injuries, it didn't hurt for me to walk away. But here mm-hmm. I am, and I was like, oh, yes. Now we're going to show Vince. You know, because, no, Vince was for me. Vince was good to me. But, you know, yeah. I was there for a short period. My partner messed up, got done, you know, and then I and then I was tired. of. I, I could have been there for a long time. I just said, Vince, I need out. I said, you know, I can't be sitting on a shelf for a year and a half. I'm too young. I've got to have matches. But it would have been nice to have, you know, a long program with DDP. And now yeah. now this is when Hogan's coming in, Bischoff's coming in, people are showing up, Razor Ramon, you know, is coming in, yeah. Kevin Nash, Road Dog, And I'm like, hold on just a second. All these guys are coming in, but one of the main storylines is going to be me and DDP. And, and, <laughs> and hold on, i got to do a program first with Raven. So now I'm like, oh, so it was so, um, it took my air out a little bit, but I was so focused on what I had to do with my, yeah. with my divorce and things. And again, my business sense kicked in. Now I'm a little bit more sad about it because I'm like, damn it, man, you know, the Raven and then Dallas and, you know, where would that have gone? Um, but, but like you said before, uh, thank God for my mother and my father and what they taught me in entrepreneurship and things like that. That's what allows me to do a podcast like this. It, 10:55 a.m. in Atlanta, Georgia, is because uh, I all I had to do was check with my boss, uh, and and I, I said, "Hey, Eric, can you do it?" And I said, "Yes." And then and then then Eric said to me, "Well, the Atlanta traffic's horrible." And I said, "Yeah, but I, I just got to walk from the bedroom to my office." And and so Eric goes, "Well, that shouldn't take too long." So then all of a sudden, I decided to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, quite an interesting story. So. One last question. What are you up to now? What are you working on any projects? Are you got anything in the works? Yeah, yeah. So you, know, you and me spoke a little off air. Uh, and mm-hmm. um so one or two things is I have never been big on the social media. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. trying to change up some of my accounts. There's a lot of stuff I did not know. Like like you know, yeah. when I first did it, they said you've got to be the official Eric Watts because there's gonna be other Eric Wattses and you know. And now the new research shows that some of Google's search engines and some of other people's search engines, the AI goes actually like the spelling of your name. So the official Eric Watts would be way down from the 9 million Eric Wattses spelled with a C, spelled with a K, spelled with a CK. And, and, but yet when I first did it, you, you wanted people to know it was official. 
pages have changed, so I'm going to do a public page, an athlete's page. Uh, I'm going to push as many people over there so that I can do more updates, keep people up to date about my life. So I'm working on that right now as we speak. Um, I do business consulting uh, on a on a basis in which when I want to take on uh, companies or, or or people after I interview them that I think that that we can really make some changes, I, I do those. Um, I was doing them back to back to back and got really burnt out because a lot of times when I take on a new company, I'm going to do 80 to 110 hours a week. Um, wow. Well, you, you got to, man, right? You yeah. got to. Some of these yeah. companies have yeah. been up for 15, 20 years, you know, so how do you yeah. how do you break bad habits and how do you implement new policies and procedures? Um, right. So I took the last two years off and decided to start my own um, credit card processing company. Um, okay. It's called Positively Processing, and I it was tongue-in-cheek because there's not much positive about processing because if you're – I'm not talking about, you know, your credit cards. I'm talking about business owners that accept credit cards. Okay. I work with them on the rates in which they pay, so I save them money going through me. So, but but I've been so slammed that I haven't even had time to to do a website. I just get called by people that say, hey, you saved money, you saved money, and we're rocking and rolling. I'm getting to the point where I'm going to do a – do a uh, uh, a website. I mean, if there's people out there, not that they'll remember this, if they want to reach out to me for processing, uh, the email's info at positivelyprocessing.com. Info at positivelyprocessing.com is the, the site. Uh, I mean, I'll be coming up with a site for that. Um, uh, but I've been blessed, right? You know, like one of yeah. my largest accounts is my best friend Diamond Dallas Page. And if, if you haven't checked out his 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 fitness and his cooking channel and his stuff, ddpy.com, you have to check it out. And so I do all the processing for his company. Um, a matter of fact, you know, don't tell everybody, but we we set something up not too long ago that if, if someone wants to check out his uh, program for a month, don't mm-hmm. tell everybody. I'm supposed to only tell, like, you, but let's just let okay. people know. <laughs> let's let people know it's uh, DDPY dot com backslash cameo so if you want to check okay. out a month of the the workout and, and man he's been on he's been on shark tank and he's been on good morning america and he, he changes lives bro so yeah. um so in between doing those things and traveling to watch my daughter play basketball at the naval academy and keeping up with my uh uh son that's uh, about three years out of business school and watch what he does i don't do anything but enjoy life that's that that's my profession yeah that's awesome. It's good to hear. I am so glad you're doing so well. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Mr. Eric Watts. Sir, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Folks, if you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. And if you haven't subscribed, please do so, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, this is Total Package. Lex Luger, you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to read this commercial because it's an agreement that we made with a really great podcast, and I want to tell you guys all about it. Pro Wrestling Interviews, it features guests who are hot indie stars as well as the greats of the ring. Each week, you can join the amazing Velvet as well as Dr. John as they host this jam-packed hour of interviews, pro wrestling news, and entertaining guests. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Every Sunday... 9 p.m. Eastern. Just go to ProWrestlingInterviews.com, and it'll take you to their Facebook page where you can get the custom podcast link for that week. 
Don't miss a second of Pro Wrestling Interviews. That Sunday nights, 9 Eastern, ProWrestlingInterviews.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stiles of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts will include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... Well, what's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an early champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Anther, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruno lose that title to the Valiant? Well, actually, it was uh, uh, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a loss. Did you have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. 
each and every Thursday night. Check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation.